So joining me today is a longtime friend of mine, Greg Vandergriff. And Greg and I uh, went to college together for only a year. He was a senior when I was a freshman, but he was on the uh, basketball team. And uh, he was someone I immediately saw and thought, that dude is the coolest guy at Bryan College. He, <laughs> he had that swagger about him, man. There's no doubt. He was, he was cool. He had the pretty girlfriend. He was a stud in the basketball team. Um, so I, I really uh, looked up to, to Greg a lot and um, really enjoyed the one year I had with him. Um, but now Greg lives down in the uh, Orlando area where he is the managing director of the Vandergriff Financial Group. Um, and so I was looking at your website, Greg, and you have some pretty impressive letters after your name. Um, cert, certified financial planner CFP and, and my wife's in this industry so I know that that's that's a that's a tough one to get that's not just uh you know go down and on the internet and sign up for it I mean that takes some work and that's a pretty yeah. prestigious one um then you've got the CHFC the chartered financial consultant you are a CLU chartered life underwriter as well as accredited Portfolio Management Advisor, APMA. So that's pretty impressive. But the reason I asked Greg to join me is because uh, I wanted to to ask somebody about kind of retirement. And as Gen X really begins to, to head towards retirement age, I wanted to get someone who could kind of give us some, some info and some insight into uh, what we need to be doing. And so Greg was the very first guy that I thought of. I, I have some other people that advise me occasionally. And actually, Greg's never advised me in a professional sense, but I've just from a distance watched him grow his business and be very successful and be really highly regarded. And so I thought, man, if he would agree to come on this podcast, that would be a win for us. So thank you, Greg. I appreciate you joining us, man. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks for yeah. the offer. Awesome. Well, tell us just a little bit about yourself as far as, you know, where you grew up and, and what your family is like. And then also tell us what your very first car was. Nice. Well, uh, I'm 55 years old, uh, married mm -hmm. to my wife, Shannon, for 31 years. We have two adult children and and two grandbabies, one yeah, two-year-old and uh, a two-week-old. So we're thrilled two. about that. The, the the grandchildren live a block away from us, so no. it's quite a blessing to be able to see the kids every day. That is um, awesome. And so hobbies are traveling. I, I love golf. I love classic cars. Okay. Landscape design, things like that. So really, uh, and I am. By the way, you can't. Might not. I want you to see this, Everett, since yeah. I can see you. Oh. I have my Philadelphia Eagles helmet yes, with do. me because we just destroyed the new york football wow. giants and yes. we're going to the nfc championship so i'm a big yes. lover of philadelphia sports being originally from philly okay uh, and okay. so yeah we're on fire right now with the phillies having a good year and now the eagles having a good year so yeah, we'll see man. how it ends yeah and i mean the sixers got a chance too i mean they're, yeah they're, they're good they're, good they're team. playing ball yep. yeah absolutely so here's the thing so first this... car oh yeah first car go ahead should i do that yeah. Uh, 1973 Mercury Cougar. Really? Yeah. 73? 73. 
My dad so, was a master of buying a car for $1,500 and keeping it for six or 10 months and selling it for $3,000. Okay. He just, nice. he never lost money on cars because yeah. he always bought these. And then my, my high school car was a 77 Pontiac Firebird. Oh. Yeah. Nice. nice. It was fun. So, but then when you got to Brian, when I saw you there, you had a different car at that point. Yeah, I think I took over my mom's car then. That was uh, a Grand Prix, Pontiac Grand yeah, Prix. Yeah, a Grand yep. Prix, that's right. Black one, yep. Yeah, I remember that. that yeah. It was pretty tight. You had some sleep, A little more reliable. Uh, then you have some uh, like spoke wheels or something on there. What kind I of wheels did, did you I probably did. That have? sounds yeah. like me back in the day, yeah. Yeah. Could have <laughs> So they weren't spinners, no spinners, no spinners, spinners. but you yeah. would have had them if they were to have been oh, available. hundred <laughs> percent. The, uh, so by the time this podcast airs, it's going to be March. So at that okay. point we will know if your beloved Philadelphia Eagles are yes, world right. champions or not. So yeah. This will be interesting to see. They look good, man. I hey. just flew back this morning. To, from the, oh, did from you? the divisional, divisional playoff game. We were up there watching it. Yeah. Yeah. You go in yeah. next week. I'm pe- pending. Yeah. I, I just, it's hard to pay that much for a ticket, but yeah, this could be the last <laughs> time in my life. That's true. That's that true. this happens. So you never know. <laughs> well, that's good, man. You mentioned you play golf. What's your handicap right now, Greg? I'm a five. Five. Very good. What's the, what's the lowest you've ever gotten to? 3.6. 3.6. Yeah, yeah. Greg's a very good golfer. I've played with him. And, and my handicap is around 11 right now. So Greg is much better than I am. But we haven't played in a number of years. So no. the next time you come to Atlanta or if I go to Orlando. I didn't see Greg much after uh, college until I was a youth pastor in um, Stone Mountain, Georgia. And one, one day after youth group, Um, some of my kids, it it was like February and spring break was coming up. People were talking about spring break. So my kids came up to me after some of the kids in the youth group came up afterwards and said, Everett, we're trying to figure out what to do for spring break. And our parents won't let us go to the beach with our friends. Will you take us to Florida? And I was like, dude, I don't want to do that. (laughs) I just didn't, you know, I thought, man, but then I talked to Susan about it and we were like, well, you know, our kids would enjoy it and you know we could kind of go to florida and i said mate let's think about it so we thought about it and said let's see if we can work something out yeah so the first thing i thought was well they want to do it cheap so we need to maybe stay at a church and then i thought well who do i know in florida that might be able to connect us to a church and so i thought about you and i knew that you were in the orlando area and you know we could go to theme parks and you know the kids could go to theme parks and all that stuff so um so I contacted you and you said, talk to Shannon. She loves this kind of stuff. Something along those lines. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, I talked to Shannon and I, I said, Shannon, do you know somebody at the church that I could talk to at, at the church you guys were going to? I don't know if it's the same one. I think it was First Baptist Orlando. Um, mm-hmm. And I said, do you know anybody there that I might be able to talk to that were, you know, eight to 10 high school students in my little family could stay? Uh, you know, for a few days and kids can go to the theme parks. And she said, don't stay there. Come and stay with us. <laughs> <laughs> and so as I tried to talk her out of it, cause I said, are you sure you want eight to 10 high schoolers? You know? And I said, they're good kids, but they're still high schoolers. But <laughs> she insisted. And, uh, and yeah. so 
you know, Greg and Shannon were so kind to let us come and stay. And we did, we had eight to 10 high schoolers and mm-hmm. we, uh, we had people on the floor and we took over one of your kids' bedrooms or something, maybe, I don't know. And, and my, uh, my students that I had absolutely had a blast and they thought the world of you guys. And we just had a wonderful time. And so I just relay that story because, um, it kind of gives an idea of the kind of people you guys are just with your generosity and hospitality. And so even all these years later, I still think about that and remember that fondly. And mm. we have some good pictures cause our kids are in similar ages. And yeah. so our, yeah. uh, we have, they have, um, we've got this one picture we love of them in their old Navy matching old Navy shirts. Oh yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a great one. So, <laughs> that was anyway, fun. Thanks for, thanks for fun. the memory. That was good. Yep. Yep. So Greg, let's, let's talk about finances a little bit. Um, okay. T- tell me first of all, why, why did you end up going into this industry? When did you know you wanted to do this and what led you into this? Well, I think it was quite a God thing, really. Um, my senior year of college, uh, I was just a general business administration major, and I was required to take some electives. And I took introduction to finance uh, and introduction to investments. Uh, and I'm first time I've ever heard about a stock, literally. First really? time I've ever heard about budgeting. Yeah. Never yeah. thought about anything like that. Yeah, yeah. But it really interested me, and it was Dr. Hill. You might remember. Oh yeah, yeah, he was great. Yeah, uh, and um, and so that was. I knew that's what I wanted to do. Something mm-hmm. in finance, personal finance specifically. Yeah. Okay. And then I went out on spring break in my senior year, right after basketball season. Sent my resume everywhere. Interviewed during spring break down back in Orlando. I knew I wanted to come back home. And I uh, got hired on my spring break in my senior year. And I worked with that firm for over 20 years wow. right out of college. So, wow. but the, the only reason they hired me, you know, I'm a 21 year old kid yeah. that has no life experience. I have no money. I yeah. have no friends with money. I have no mortgage. I have no yeah. wife. I have no kids. I have, there's no reason yeah. that I should have ever been hired. Yeah. It was only because I played basketball. No way. Because the managers, in this company, they both were in a three-man league at the YMCA. <laughs> uh, this is no joke. I'm not lying. And they look at this young kid who looks like he's 15, yeah. but I was playing yeah. decent ball back then. Right, and yeah. they're, they're like, hey, what are you doing Thursday? <laughs> and so I show up with them at the YMCA. I'm on their team, and yeah. they had to hire me at that point. Literally, that's how I got hired. No way. Yeah. I can't believe was... I've never heard this story. That is amazing. <laughs> So it pays, uh, your basketball career paid, man. I mean, more than it, just it paid. tuition. Uh, I mean, it, yeah, yeah, no, it paid, it paid well. And we had, we, you know, we probably played ball in those types of leagues for five or six, seven years. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. It was great. <laughs> that, and I learned so how to, I learned sense, how to be, I learned how but, to become a financial advisor along the way, you know? Yeah. And in yeah. a way you played professional basketball. You were, <laughs> you were paid to play basketball. Oh, I got to <laughs> use that. That's great. <laughs> That's needs to go on the resume. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, that's good. So uh, another thing before we jump right into retirement is, you know, the economy right now as of today, we're recording this on January 23rd. Um, You know, there's a lot of uncertainty. Uh, I know you keep a a close eye on all that and Raymond James, Raymond James does as well. Did I say that right? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, Raymond James said, is, is is the company yeah, I affiliate your, with. Yep. Yeah. So what? Um, just give us kind of a brief overview of the economy and where you think things are headed. We think, of course, fifty percent chance this is wrong. Yeah, of course. Or maybe more. Maybe more yeah. of a chance. Yeah. Nobody knows. <laughs> But our base case is, and what most most of the economists that I follow, the base case is we will fall into a recession this year. It'll yeah. be a mild recession. Um, and so growth is going to slow. It's yeah. already slowing. Mm-hmm. The corporate profits will, will go down a bit. And it's basically because of the higher interest rate climate that we're in. The Federal Reserve mm-hmm. has been raising rates dramatically, historically significant raising yeah. of rates to yeah. cool down this overheated economy yeah. to stop inflation. Okay. So this is all inflation. Yeah. And really it's all because of COVID. Yeah. This is a hangover from COVID. There was so much money dumped into the system, no goods to buy. Yeah. Everything, the world shut down for a year and a half. Yeah. So you have all this money chasing no goods available. Those goods yeah. increase in cost and that's called inflation. And so the Federal Reserve now has to backtrack and get rid of that money supply. Mm. And so they're doing that by raising rates, cooling down this economy. Okay. So we think that is going to send us into a recession. But I don't think people should fear that. Yeah. It's just normal normal cycles. We don't think it's yeah. going to be deep or severe. Okay. But you'll hear already, you hear Facebook's laying off this amount of people. Walmart's laying right, off this right. amount of people. I mean, it's happening. Layoffs yeah. are coming which yeah. means people will stop paying their bills at some point. Mortgage yeah. foreclosures will kick in at some point. But this is just normal stuff. Okay. Uh, there'll be green shoots again. There'll be blue skies again, probably toward the year end. Okay. Okay. Uh, the Federal Reserve has to stop raising interest rates. Yeah. But they probably won't do that until unemployment kicks in. So mm-hmm. they've, I think they've even said they have to see unemployment go from 3.5% to 4.5% before they feel confident that inflation will be under control. So as soon as that happens, then you have a chance for the markets to rebound. Now they're, they're going through gyrations now. Market was up really nicely past, you know, a couple of days. Yeah. But that might be a head fake. It Mm. it might be that it's not going to continue like that forever. It's probably going to be a little slower the next six months, but then probably year end. Okay. So we don't know. So, but I could tell you, you know, uh, February of 2020, I couldn't spell COVID. Right. <laughs> Nobody knew that that was going to happen in a week yeah. or two. Yeah, sure. And so you never know what kind of thing is going to be thrown at us. The, yeah. the important thing is to people, you know, for people not to be too emotional. Yeah. Don't get too high or low. Yeah. Uh, you know, I lo- what I loved about my favorite baseball player was Chase Udley when mm-hmm. he played for the Phillies. And the good thing about him was – you could not tell if he struck out or hit a home run. Mm. He was a professional. Yeah. Level-headed, non-emotional. Yeah. And that's the way good investors are. Yeah. They tend to take it, take the lumps and also don't pound their chest too hard when things are going north. Yeah. But just keep it keep it even. Yeah. And so that's that's encouragement for people that might be listening is Yeah. It's never as bad as it feels. It's never as good as it feels. Yeah. It's a long game. It's, you're playing the you're you're running a marathon for sure. Yeah. So I want to talk specifically about retirement. Um, okay. And the the reason for this is because, you know, I'm 52. 
I'm not nearly as old as you are. No, um, no. <laughs> but I've had I've had a few friends who are 55 ish recently who have retired, and it really got me thinking about, um, you know, I've always kind of thought about retirement being something that's going to happen one day, and yes, I need to be preparing for it, and I need to, but it just kind of made it more real, I guess. That on top of, um, I've kind of fallen in love with the villages in Florida, <laughs> which is the boomer, you know, the boomer yeah. retirement haven. Absolutely. Um, but anyway, so I, you know, I've, I've just kind of looked at, at that place and it just made me start thinking more about, okay, it's not going to be that much longer until this is a reality for me. And am I ready? And what do I need to be do to be ready? And so that's really what spurred me to want to talk to you. Um, but I, you know, I hear people mention their retirement plan and recently I had a friend that said, um, her retirement plan is to never retire because she's not, she doesn't think she'll be able to, you know? So in a general sense, Greg, what is a retirement plan? I think about planning, um, where you, you have a clear understanding of where you're at financially today mm -hmm. and then where you want to be in the future. Like, at what point would you like to walk away from work? Right. I don't like the word retirement, actually. I, okay. I prefer financial independence. Okay. At what point do you want to be financially independent where work mm -hmm. is optional and retirement is affordable, where you don't have to work for, quote, the man? Mm -hmm. You may choose to work until you die, whether right. it's for money or not for money. Yeah. Because you love that activity, mm -hmm. whatever that might be. And those are the most successful people or the ones that are charged up and plugged in about what they're doing in those later years. Yeah. There's a purpose around what they're doing. Right. The people that have a bad retirement, there's nothing in their schedule. There's mm -hmm. no passion. Mm -hmm. Those people tend to die more quickly also. Mm -hmm. So I think the key is, is to be financially prepared for that time when, when work is optional and retirement is affordable, but also what are we retiring to? Mm-hmm. It's not just what we're, we're retiring from. That's identifiable mm -hmm. pretty easily. But what are you retiring to? What's going to get you fired up to get up in yeah. the morning? Yeah. Um, but, but you need to understand where you're at today financially in order to project out with any yeah. accuracy what the future might look like. And most people don't spend time doing that. Right. right. They just go through the motions and try to do the right things without really taking a step back and really looking at what their long-term financial goals are and putting, yeah. putting them down in writing on paper to have kind of a target to shoot for. Most people don't do that. Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, I didn't do it until about four months ago. You okay. know, I mean, I, I had thought about, you know, in a, in a kind of a general sense, you know, we want to tire, retire or, or have financial independence at this particular time in our life. And, you know, we want to be able to spend time with our grandkids and we want to be able to do this and that, but, but having something specific and thinking about the, the real like financial uh, goals for that, mm -hmm. you know, we really, I didn't do it until recently. Um, I mean, it's not that we haven't invested, we've been investing and we've, you know, had companies that have helped us uh, invest and stuff like that. But um but when I was doing it, you know, I'll just kind of share a little bit about what some of the numbers I came up with. 
And I really felt like in order to retire or have financial independence at 65, which is 13 years from now, I would probably need to have about a million bucks saved um, Mm -hmm. somewhere. So, you know, I started to, well, I'll tell you kind of my, um, some of my thoughts on that. What I would like to do, I still, and I've got 13 years to convince Susan, but I want to retire to the villages, but I want it to be, um, I hope that the villages adjust a little bit in those next 13 years so that it's not just for boomers. I hope that they, yeah, yeah there, there's some things now that I, I'm not excited about the way it is now, you know, but the idea of 50 plus golf courses, tennis, pickleball, you know, uh, beach tennis, water volleyball, I mean, all these things are both, Susan and I would both be interested in doing a lot of those things and being active in the, in the social groups and the, you know, I've always wanted to be back to Florida, go back to Florida to live in Florida. She has never wanted to do that. And so mm-hmm. we've been in Atlanta, which has been great. We love Atlanta. Um, so, so my dream would be 13 years from now to retire. I think that in 2035, which would be when I turn 65, that we would need to have about $110,000 a year to live comfortably. And that's 2035 money. That's based on, you know, me doing a budget and trying to project mm-hmm. what, you know, things will cost at that time. Um, so we would want to use our, what, what I'm thinking, and I, I want to get your thoughts on this, is we would use our savings and investments um, to live on partially. We would work part-time just for a little bit of supplemental income. Um, and Susan has said, you know, she just told me again the other day that she wants to work as long as she can. Like she, she would be incredibly bored and, you know, aimless if she didn't have some sort of job. I'm like, Hey, work as long as you want, (laughs) make as much as you can. That's wonderful. More golf for me. Um, then, uh, but not draw social security until we're 70. And I don't know if that's a good idea or not, but um, you know, I want to maximize how much we get from social security. Um, but I'm a little afraid social security might not be around <laughs> as well. Um, in 18 years. So that's kind of just, uh, you know, a bird's eye view of, of kind of what I'm thinking. Just how do you respond to that? What, what are your thoughts on all that? I don't normally look at it in a, in the same way where you have a certain number, a million dollars would be your number because everybody's so unique. Some people can retire so successfully with $300,000. Other people need $10 million because of their lifestyle decisions. And do they have debt? When's the debt going to be paid off? Is it going to run through retirement or not? Um, What assumptions do you want to make in social security? You know, do you just take the information they give you each year and, consider that that's going to happen or do you dial that back maybe the assumption would be let me assume we're going to make 75 percent of that not the full thing that they're telling us right yeah so there's so many different i mean this the probability of success is not depend it's it's not a factor of the number it's it's what it's it's what you spend that's what that's the main driver of retirement success 
Um, so it's great that you've identified what you, what your annual income need is. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And you've considered inflation. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic mm-hmm. too. So a rule of thumb, just to put it in your mind, you know, 4% mm-hmm. is what people in our industry consider the maximum safe withdrawal rate in a portfolio. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you think about a million dollars times 4%, it's $40,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a lot of income generated Mm -hmm. from that Mm -hmm. portfolio. Now you could do much, much better than that, but you also could lose 20% in any given Mm -hmm. year, right? So 4% is kind of that bogey. If people are taking out more than 4%, we kind of warn them that they're in a little bit of a a red area. If people are taking out less than that, we might say, Hey, spend some money. Yeah. Go on that extra trip. But 4% is kind of a good rule of thumb. The most important thing about that though, is that, people and uh, retirees need to be flexible in their withdrawal, uh, uh, you know, action. Hmm. For instance, market goes up 25%. Everybody's making tons of money. It's all easy. Mm-hmm. Maybe you buy the car that year. But in the year we like we just had, where everything yeah. is down. Yeah. Including gold stocks, bonds, everything got annihilated last year. Yeah. You probably yeah. wait to take the big European vacation. Yeah. You know, because if you're going to use your portfolio for something like that, you need to be flexible. That's the most important thing is to be flexible with mm-hmm. your distribution. So okay. what we normally look at, I mean, you have to look at your debt and when it's going to run out, you have right. to look at how much you're going to maintain in cash reserve what your future goals might look like. Do you want to give money to grandkids in the future that could take away from your own portfolio? You know, (laughs) so, uh, uh, you know, lots of factors and pulleys and levers, which causes me to try to get my clients to think about it differently. Not, not, not go for a particular number, Yeah, but do whatever they can do within their budget now to save more money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and to save it in the right ways. And then if we overshoot retirement, if we save too much money, well then maybe we can bless others with that money. Yeah. We can we can we can be more generous with our resources and give more yeah. money away to people that need it more than we do. Right, right. So you just said um something like uh saving it in the right way or or mm-hmm. I think you said something along those lines. What what do you mean by that? What are the best ways to save? For me, we have to, if possible, cash flow permitting, and it's always cash flow permitting. Sure. Which means there's yeah. margin. There's yeah. an income, a net income up here, and there's expenses down here, and there's this margin. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have to get the free money. If you're a traditional employee at work and there's a company 401k plan, if they match, you have to get the free money. You have to yes. contribute at least up to the match. Okay. If they have any kind of stock purchase plan, if it's a publicly traded company, or not, and they have a stock program where they you could buy shares at fifteen percent discount. Those are always pretty attractive, as long as the mm-hmm. company's not, you know, as long as the company's stable. Yeah. Uh, and then you, th- what we think about a lot in our practice when we help with cl- help clients is think about Roth IRA planning. Mm-hmm. How can we squeeze money into a Roth IRA, a Roth four hundred one k? Uh, there's many different ways you can get money in there, even if you're a very high income taxpayer. Mm-hmm. So in those those you know 
amounts you can contribute are between 6,500 and 7,500, depending upon if you're over or under age 50 per okay. person. Mm -hmm. So Roth IRAs are wonderful tools where the money that you put in there and the future growth of it will never be exposed to taxation. Mm -hmm unlike a traditional IRA and a traditional 401k where a hundred percent of that money will be exposed to taxation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would, I would guess that future taxation, future taxes will likely be higher than they are today, not lower. Mm. Mm. We probably in a, the lowest income tax rate environment we will ever be in you and I really Yeah, think about it. the federal debt, mm. unfunded social security, unfunded mm -hmm. Medicare, all of the big problems fiscally yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's probably going to result in a little bit higher tax payments that we'll make yeah. in the future that's why roth iras are so appealing you can yeah. shove money in there now and even if mm. rates are 50 percent when we retire yeah. which they likely will not be but i'm just right. using that as an example the roth ira escapes all that so for me it's 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 401k get the free stuff first if you can yep. fill it up if you can, like, if you're over age 50, the maximum you could put in a, in a 401k is $30,000. If you can do that, awesome. If you could mm -hmm. also do 7,000 or 7,500 in a, in a Roth IRA, spouse can do that too. Mm -hmm. Those will be the things that we're looking for to check off the boxes with each client that cash flow right. permitting could do that. Yeah, yeah. All right, so time for a little fun break, Greg. We're going to play 80s Word Association. Oh boy. All right. I'm going to, what I need you to do is put yourself kind of in your 80s self, your 80s mindset. And I want you to say the first word that comes to mind when I say a particular word or phrase. Should so I get if, my mullet? My mullet? Well, hair piece? No, but you just ruined one right there. I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say hairstyle. And you just took it. That's all right. I that was good. It. That's it, baby. That, that is good. it. You know, Short Dwayne. in the front around the ears and a little yes. longer in the back. Maybe even, you know, you can get a perm back there back in the day if you <laughs> yes, needed one. You could get some curls right there. <laughs> did you ever do that? I did. I could see you rocking. I a, did. A I did. Right it was a mistake, but I did it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. All right. So I'm going to say the word. You just tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. Madonna. Like a virgin. Yes, I knew you were going to say that. Very good. All right. Video game. First thing, uh, asteroids. Asteroids. Okay, that's a good one. That's a All little right. early for you. I'm no, a little I mean, older I, you. yeah, I, I, I'm about some asteroids. I thought you might say Pac-Man. That's what I expected, but that's good. Yeah. All right. Fashion. Bright colors. Okay. I like that. Rap music. Run DMC. Oh, classic. Now, I was going to say hairstyle, but you already got that one. Um, music player. Music you, player. What did you listen to your music on? Oh, uh, boombox is yeah, what we would call boombox. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Those were sweet, man. I remember getting my first one, and it had the speakers on the side that you could remove. and. Uh -oh. and and yeah, so I yeah. could like put it in my room and I could like have stereo on each side of my bed. Then I could reconnect it and carry it with me. It was. That's key. That's it key. Took, it took like 200 D size batteries. to operate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all 
All right. Talk show. TV talk yeah. show. Uh, I like Donahue. Okay. Phil. Yep. The uh, the one I think of is Sally Jesse Raphael. You remember her oh, with wow. those big like red glasses? Massive, massive yeah. glasses. Yep. <laughs> All right. Movie. Uh, Top Gun. Top Gun. Oh, did you see the second one? I did. I thought did it like was it? good. I did yeah. too. I liked it. I thought it was uh, well done. I took my daughter, Lauren, and I, we went to um, watch it in a 4D theater. So it had seats that rock and move and nice. it had, had these like air things that, so when you're you know out on the ship or something, it would pew, pew, shoot air and little bits of rain falling you. I mean, it was, it was a nice experience, man. Yeah. Another one though, silence of the lambs has to be <laughs> in there. Ooh, cloudy. That was a good one. Yes. Yeah. That was, yeah. that one disturbing. You know, it disturbed me for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. All right. When you think of the last, last one here, when you think of a James Bond actor, who's the, who's the best James Bond actor? You Sean say, Connery. Okay, Sean Connery, yes. I agree. Our generation, I think, loves Sean Connery. And yeah, I like yeah. Daniel Craig. I like the new guy, but it's just yeah. Sean Connery is James With Bond. With that accent, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, that's good stuff, man. Another question related to this kind of stuff is, you know, paying off debt. You mentioned that earlier, how much debt people have and – um how do we balance that? I mean, you know, we want to save looking to the future, but we also have this debt and we can't focus all our money on paying off debt and not having any savings. Do you have any kind of thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, it's uh, true what you're saying. I mean, debt matters and how you own things matter. Uh, you know, there, I, I would say that there's good debt and bad debt, anything other than a, your residential real estate mortgage or rental property mortgages are bad debt. Mm. Car loans, of course, credit cards, student loans. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just not good to maintain any of that. Yeah. So, you know, you know, if you could help it, you know, you don't want to have any of that stuff. Yeah. If someone has a 2.75% fixed rate 30 year mortgage though, right now, right. Because they refinanced over the last couple of years, that's the best financial tool you've ever that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why you'd pay off a 3% mortgage. Yeah. Early because yeah. you're never going to get that deal the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. It's the cheapest money you'll ever borrow. Mm -hmm. It's tax deductible in most cases. Mm -hmm. And think about it, the fixed rate mortgage. Your payment stays the same for 30 years, let's say 15 or 30 years. So it feels less expensive every single year that you keep that. Because everything else is increasing in cost. Right, right. Your mortgage is the only thing you're going to have in your life that does not is not affected by inflation. Yeah. So the mortgage in 20 years is going to feel like an electric bill. That's true. <laughs> so why would you pay that thing off? You, you, you would do better investing that money in a Roth IRA, increasing your 401k contributions, or building a larger yeah. cash reserve, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And so you have to do a little bit of both you absolutely must get rid of the bad debts as quickly as yeah. possible. Even if that means you sacrifice how much you want to save elsewhere. Yeah. That is a priority. If you're paying somebody six, seven, eight, 10, 20%. Yeah. 
you have to get rid of that first before you invest more in your 401k beyond the company match, for instance. Right. In my right. opinion. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's, that's smart. That's what I've always heard. And that's what we've tried to practice as well. Yeah. Um, we do have, uh, like right now I sell golf carts and um, there's a, just as just an example, we have a special, you know, if people come in and buy, want to buy a new golf cart, they can get 0% for 48 months. And so some of these people will come in and of course they have the money they could pay. They could pay for it all up front, but that's free money, you know, in essence. So, you know, they, they can leave their money wherever it is, maybe making something. Um, so, you know, those kind of deals maybe aren't, aren't terrible, but. Yeah. Again, like as long as you were, you were able to write a check and be done with the debt whenever you want to, yeah. I, I think if, if someone's going to be crazy enough to give you 0% financing, you could do one of two things, take them up on it. Yeah. Or you could say, Hey, you know what? No, I don't want your financing, but reduce it by a thousand dollars. I'll buy yeah. it for $500 less. I don't want your financing. Right. I'm going to write a check. You know, you're yeah, in yeah. Th that that person, that buyer is in total control because they don't right. need the loan. So right. it's a perfect scenario to to be yeah, in. Absolutely. Yeah. Thinking about financial independence, you know, kind of getting to that point where uh, we can quit our full time jobs if we want and do something we love, uh, as far as work goes or or whatever. What are some things that we need to be aware of that that are risks that we might not be thinking about? I mean, I, I would, there's definitely roadblocks that, or I would call them landmines. Okay. You can't see them. Yeah. And you might step on it as you kind of go down the road to, re to retirement. So yeah. uh, the first one is not, you know, traditional landmine would be in your behavior, how you, how you manage your emotions and how you behave during difficult economic times is massively important. Hmm. It's not how well your investments are doing. It's how you behave. Your investor yeah. behavior is the largest indicator of overall performance, account performance. Do you sell at the wrong time because you're scared to death? Do you buy at the wrong time because you think mm -hmm. that everything is going to go to the moon? Yeah. When you get slaughtered like we did last year in the markets, what's your action? What do you do? Do you retreat and get out because you can't sleep at night? Or do you go, you know what? I'm 52 years old. I'm working another 15 years. It's buy time. It's a blue light special mm -hmm. on Wall Street, and I'm going to buy the best companies in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. same thing with real estate. When real estate in, in you know 2009, right. 2011, you could buy a lot of great investments in real estate because everybody yeah. was scared to death. Yeah. And so thinking about the first risk would be make sure you uh, maintain your emotions during good and bad times. Try to take emotion out of it. Think, think like Warren Buffett. You should be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. Mm -hmm. Just, that's the financial end of it the protection side of it would be, yeah, like you, you nailed it. Long-term care and home health care needs mm -hmm. where you need help with activities of daily living mm -hmm. um, is a massive, massive black hole financially. 
because unless you have insurance coverage that is specific to that need, long-term care, your medical insurance doesn't pay for that. Your disability insurance doesn't pay for that. Your life insurance certainly doesn't because you got to be dead. So you have, there's this gap in protection with a lot of people that they don't, they ignore. Hmm. But the probability of either you or Susan needing some sort of care before the second death is very high. Mm-hmm. The percentage. Mm-hmm. Same with Shannon and I. So, mm-hmm. so you can either ignore that risk or you could transfer that risk to an insurance company by making a premium payment for a long-term mm-hmm. care policy. But they're expensive. Yeah. They're hard yeah. to get. You yeah. have to be really healthy. Yeah. And they don't give them away. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's hard. It's a hard thing to do because Medicare does not pay for the, they cover some of the costs during the first 100 days, but that's it. After a hundred days, there's no coverage. So long-term care insurance is something to think about. The younger you, you get that, the better because the premiums are lower. Uh, But also disability insurance. If, If you're 55 years old, you're probably making more money than you've ever made in your life. It's a peak earnings season for you. Uh, and if you become disabled, if you can't work anymore, um, you're probably going to run short on your retirement savings. So is there insurance that kicks in that helps you with bills during a disability? Uh, and of course, life insurance, most people know about life insurance, but as we age, life insurance becomes less and less important if you're using it traditionally, which is to take care of my spouse and young kids and my mortgage. Mm Mm-hmm. As we're as we age, our debt should be reduced. Your surviving spouse has fewer years to live. Your kids mm-hmm. hopefully are independent. Mm-hmm. So those needs for life and ins- traditional needs for life insurance goes down. Yeah. So it might not be as important for your listeners here as it was when they were thirty-five. Yeah. yeah. Or third. Um, right. But but you know, long-term care insurance is something important. And also, I have a lot of people I work with that are financially able to retire when they're 60, but they choose to work because mm-hmm. of health insurance. They choose to work somewhere. It could be at Home Depot. It could be at mm-hmm. public supermarkets. Yeah. And they're financially set. Yeah. But yeah. they need health insurance until mm-hmm. age 65. Yeah. That's yeah. when Medicare kicks in as a primary mm-hmm. insurance. Okay. I have multiple, I mean, lots of clients that are in this phase really that they're wealthy yeah but they just don't want to go on the marketplace and buy insurance there or, and spend fifteen hundred dollars a month or two thousand dollars a month on yeah. health care coverage they would rather get that through an employer yeah. so they work yeah, just sense. because of that or they just want the social aspect of working mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense so i guess uh to kind of close things up, Greg, the give me a summary of what you think is kind of most important for retirement planning for someone, let's say they're, you know, in their 40s, um, maybe early 50s, they are in our generation and, and just are really trying to, to get this kind of stuff under control. What, what should they do? I would say you need to know where you're at financially, number one. You need to understand where your money is going. Okay. This is the driver of success. It doesn't doesn't matter what your compensation is. Where's the money going? That's the most important factor. 
And, and so for a lot of times, if clients have a little bit of credit card debt, or if they're not, if they're not confident about the future, it's because they don't know where they're at currently. And so we force people to document where they're spending their money. So if there's a budgeting problem, if there's a debt problem, we will not take a client on unless they commit that they're going to keep track of expenses for three months, every penny. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and make sure that they understand where the dollars are going. So just by doing that, you will spend less money. Mm-hmm. No question about it. By putting, putting, shining the light on it, you're going to spend yeah. way less money when you go to Home Depot. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, so knowing where you're at financially, where the spending is, and then making sure, you know, this is Dave Ramsey one-on-one stuff where you make sure yeah. you have a, 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 a savings account, some sort of cash reserve, and then mm-hmm. taking advantage of retirement accounts. But really understanding where the money is going is really important. For people that understand that, they feel powerful. Like they're right. in charge of their future because they know what they'll, what they'll need to live on in the future because they know what they mm-hmm. need to live on today. And then you bake in down the road, you, you bake in a little extra money for traveling, maybe a little extra money yeah. for giving away or whatever, whatever it might be. But right. th- it all starts with where you're at today. And it's kind of easy. Okay. It sounds easy, yeah. but most people aren't aware of it. They just make their right. money. They get their paychecks. They do a little 401k and they mm-hmm. just live their life but not having a plan of attack, you know, is, is dangerous. Yeah. yeah. So if, uh, if somebody's listening and they're thinking, man, I need to talk to a financial advisor is, is can they contact you? Should they find somebody around here? I mean, what, what's. Yeah. I mean, they can absolutely contact me. Uh, but I would, I would say just some rules of thumb probably better to have somebody locally, especially initially with an initial relationship. You want to, want to kick the tires a little bit. You want to, you want to see the person face to face and zoom and and other, you know, things are fine, but it it doesn't take the place of a personal relationship. I would just say if, if someone's going to hire a financial planner, that person should be a certified financial planner, CFP. Mm -hmm. I would say that the best way to get those people is by word of mouth. So I would just talk to the people that you respect and mm-hmm. find out who they're working with and maybe interview two or three or four financial advisors. And you'll probably deselect a couple immediately just because of the way they shake your hand. Yeah. You know right. what I mean? And then right. you might connect right. with one that is it's a good one. But always through word of mouth or recommendations would be the best source. Okay. And then I would just say that they should be fully licensed. What I mean by that is you don't want to hire somebody where they can only do one discipline. So if, if, a, if an advisor is insurance licensed only, mm-hmm. they can sell insurance products and they can sell annuities, but they can't sell you a stock or a bond. Mm-hmm. If you're working with a stockbroker who's just securities licensed mm-hmm. and they don't have any insurance licenses, they can't do those other products, even though there might be a need mm-hmm. there because mm-hmm. they focus on stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, their securities license. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you work just with a bank and they're not licensed at all, they can do CDs and money markets and all the rest of it, which is great, but they can't yeah. do those other things. So mm-hmm. getting somebody who has all of the licenses that may mm-hmm. be necessary for helping uh, because products are not bad in, the, in and of themselves, you probably need mm-hmm. a little bit of all, everything. Yeah. The problem, 
comes down to if a person can't give you what you sh- what you should get, that's yeah, that's a problem because yeah. they're not licensed yeah. to do so. So mm-hmm. make sure CFP would be you know checkbox number one. A client or or a friend of yours referred him to you, him or her, mm-hmm. and then that they're fully licensed for the full mm-hmm. breadth of of opportunities that they can take advantage of. Okay, that's very helpful. Yep, I appreciate that. Um, cool. So. Do you recommend um, trying to do things the way Bernie Madoff did? Yeah, no, you should, no, no. no. Have you seen that documentary? (laughs) Um, I think it's on Netflix. I did. I I watched it all. Oh, man, very fascinating, man. Yeah, he had the whole floor up there producing statements. And this is a, you know, just a heads up. You should be able to access your account 24-7 whenever you want to, wherever you're at in the world. Yeah. Nobody could do that with Madoff. Yeah, that's crazy. It's it's ridiculous. So yeah. obviously there's certain things. He had a great reputation. He made tons of money for a ton of people. Yeah. They thought. And right. so you know, just they they created this facade where it was so uh exclusive to actually yeah. become a client. Yeah. I mean, it's right, exactly. Crazy. Where if you if you even questioned him at all, oh, he's like you're out. Okay, well forget forget it. <laughs> You go. So people are just like, dude, just make me money. It's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. All right, man. Well, I really appreciate it. This has been fun, been very helpful to me, and I know some other people will find some value in it as well. Good. Um, Can I leave you with one thing? Yep. So in Proverbs, the book of Proverbs 21.5, steady plotting leads to prosperity. Hasty speculation leads to poverty. So whether someone believes in that book or not, I don't think it really mm-hmm. matters in this regard because mm-hmm. that's truth. Mm-hmm. Steady plotting leads to prosperity. Hasty speculation leads to poverty. So plotting is not sexy. Plotting is not mm-hmm. fun. See, that word is horrible. Just think of yeah. plotting. Who wants to plot? Right. But right. steady plotting, doing the right thing over a long period of time, will lead to prosperity. And that would be, that should be encouraging for everybody listening because yeah, it, you know, you just do the right thing for a while yeah, and time is yeah. on your side. So if you're, if you're yeah. 50 listening to this today and you're reasonably healthy, you have 35, 40 years of this life yeah. left. Right. And so even if you don't think you're on track yet, there's still time. You just have yeah. to maybe change some behavior and, and get back on track, yeah. which can be done. Absolutely. That's good, man. Good words. Good. Awesome, bro. All right, well, brother. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. You're a to good hang man. You. Great to hang with you. Yeah. Let's get out on the golf course soon. Like how you used to dunk on everybody in college. Yes. Something uh, like that. I wish we had, you know, social media, man. <laughs> I'd have been famous. 